0: Thank you for listening to a Christ-centered message from Grace Community Church. We are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology and trust that you will receive encouragement as we study today's passage together.
1: Let's go in our Bibles. We're going to go to Mark's Gospel. Mark chapter 3. This morning, we are going to be looking at our fifth distinctive and celebrate together God's plan. That's what we have been doing in these uh, five distinctives series this time. Celebrating God's plan. Our fifth distinctive as a church that we pray, Lord, make us known for this, is purposeful disciple making. What does that mean? Intentionally making disciples locally, and around the world, locally and globally, that we are involved in the work of making disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as we've been looking at these five distinctives, we have been primarily using David. But I have to tell you something, when we come to making disciples, David ceases to be a good example for us. David did a lot of things very well. One thing David struggled in was passing the faith along and raising up disciples in his own family. Last week, we looked at his kindness with Mephibosheth, It was pointed out in our small group. What would Mephibosheth, an adopted son, have contributed to the atmosphere around the table with other sons who are looking at someone who is going to be taking possibly a share of their kingdom? So what we're going to do is we're going to bypass, we're going to go right over David, and let's go to David's descendant, the son of David, Jesus Messiah. And when we come to Jesus' life, when we come to his ministry, here we find how we can effectively, purposefully make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. The master's plan for making disciples, it actually has been working for 2,000 years now. It has not needed an update, like our computers do sometimes, and they just choose to do whenever they want to do it. All right? It doesn't need a revision. We don't have to sit together and say, you know, Jesus' plan, it was good for a while, but we need to come up with something new that just connects with people in 2022, you know? No, we're still at the same thing, which is always going to be the cause, the the calling to the Christian, what has God said, what does he mean, how do we apply it in our lives? Not to be clever, not to be cute, just be clear. Discipleship defined. We've been graciously brought into the master's plan of helping others come to know, love, and follow Jesus. If you were to write down what is a discipleship plan, how do I get involved in discipleship? It's helping someone else come to know Jesus. Helping someone else come to love Jesus. Helping someone else come to follow Jesus. How do we do that? That depends on who is in your mind of the person that you want to help. And how God will use you to help them come to know, love, and follow Jesus. Oh, may God do that through us as a church. Mark's Gospel, chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 13 here, down through verse 21, and just have a little context around this. And Mark writes, He went up on the mountain and called to to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be, catch this, with him, And he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Bonerges, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. Then he went home and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him for they were saying... He is out of his mind. This is the word of God. Little background to the Gospel of Mark: eyewitness, His eyewitness account is through Peter, so he gives this record. So as you read through the Gospel of Mark, you will see sometimes there's a little more harsh treatment of Peter because Peter is the one through Mark telling the story, and he doesn't hold back on himself. He tells it like it is. Jesus' pattern for multiplying disciples, loved ones, it must be our pattern. Now you'll see at the top of your worship guide there, your notes, there's just four, whatever they are, shapes, okay? In the top, I want you to write the word prayer. These are four aspects of discipleship that will always remain The first one is prayer. It's at the top. Jesus, we see in Luke, he prayed all night before he went out and he chose the 12. Out of all the disciples, he chooses 12, but the night before, he spends the whole night in prayer. Mark's gospel is very brief, all right? It's for those with ADHD. He gets right to the point. And he moves quickly. I mean, if you look at the first chapter, Jesus' preaching ministry is in the very middle of the first chapter. He's just on the scene. Let's get going with this. There's no birth narrative, none of that. He gets straight to Jesus came preaching the gospel. Luke gives a little more background. He spent all night praying. Who will the 12 be in communion with his father? Secondly, we see in this next circle, the one to your right, it's pathway, that Jesus actually had a plan. He had a plan. He had a pathway for his followers to enter into salvation and into discipleship, that they would be with him and they would extend his call of the kingdom everywhere they would go. So it wasn't willy-nilly. It wasn't random. It wasn't, you know, go to the drawing board, take suggestions from the, you know, the the upper elite. What do you think? What do we need to do? Let's brainstorm. He didn't poll the opinions. He didn't do cards, survey cards, after he fed people and preached, what did you think of my message? He knew what he was on earth for, and that's what he proceeded to do. And he left for us an example. At the bottom, you'll see people. Write that in, people. Ministry always involves people. Otherwise, it's not ministry. I know that some people have found it easier to stay home and stay online after the pandemic. But you, listen to me, you cannot serve others in the church and you cannot be served by others in the church isolated from those very same people impossible. People. It's an old statement. I've heard it probably my whole life. Ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people. That's a dumb statement. You know, ranching would be great to be a rancher if I just didn't have any of those smelly cattle, you know? I'm sorry, then you just have land. You're a landowner. If you don't have some livestock on the land, what do you have? You know, I'd I'd love being a shepherd if I didn't have to have sheep. Well, then you're just a guy out with the other shepherds and sheep. But you can't call yourself a shepherd if you don't have sheep. People are always a part of ministry. Who will we minister the gospel to? And who will we minister that gospel of grace with? There's the missionaries, the people on mission, and there's a mission field. And we're not alone. Then there is what we see at the end of this. They didn't even have time to eat. The ministry was so heavy upon them. There were so many people, so many needs, so much pressing on them that there's this pressure. And to add to it, it's not just the people outside that are coming to him. His own family are saying, this guy is out of his mind. Jesus has lost it. The cheese has slipped off the cracker. Go get him. Somebody go get him. He is crazy. He's out of his mind. He's insane. And that drives us to prayer. And go back to the pathway, which always involves people, which always includes pressure. Everything we do, there's pressure. There's people's opinions, personalities, There's what's right, there's what's wrong, there's differences, there's how we were brought up, it's all different. And you put that in a marriage, you put that in a family, you put that in a church, you put that in a small group, and what's going to happen? You're going to rub people the wrong way, and some people will rub you the wrong way. What are you then going to do about it? Back to the hills, find me a cave, and I'll be all by myself. And I don't have to tell anybody what's going on in here. And I don't have to listen to anybody say what's going on in there. And this is wonderful. But that's not why Jesus left you here. That's not why Jesus left me here. So yes, it gets awkward. And yes, it gets difficult. And yes, there's the pressure of our mission. And there's the pressure of the culture that we live in. And there's the pressure of all the things that we face. Internal pressure, external pressure. See, that's the problem. If I go find a cave somewhere, I still haven't dealt with what's, what's wrong in here, that I want to control everybody around me. That's why I have to absent myself from gathering with people, is because I can't control what they think about me and what they feel about me. So I'd rather just be by me. But then when you set me next to Jesus, now I'm back to in trouble again, except that he has loved me, he knows me, and he's forgiven me, and he's changed me, and he's changing me. And one of the greatest ways that the Lord has used to change me is the people I'm looking at Amen. and the people that, I, that share my last name that I live life with. It's a beautiful gift that God gives to us. So when we look at this picture, when we see this plan, It's going to stay with us because there's not one aspect of this that the Lord Jesus went through that you can take out and still have discipleship happening in a church. Well, we would do it, but you know, the pressure. It's just not time to do this. It's not time to do that. We don't have the resources to do this. We don't have the resources to do that. You know, that's like saying when we have it all figured out, then we'll have children. Nobody would be born. Because the kids come along, they put them in your lap, and you realize, I'm in over my head. Then they grow up. I'm in way over my head. Lord, help. Prayer. What's the pathway, right? People, my family, and the pressure. So what do we see? Three aspects out of this text, very straightforward, very simple. We'll never move away from this, loved ones. If we do, we've lost the plot. Number one, deliverance. Deliverance. This is always where discipleship begins. This is why church membership is not more important than your salvation. This is why when we receive members, we say, will you please share with us your understanding of the gospel? We ask, will you please share who is Jesus Christ? We must be crystal clear on this, loved ones. Next week, Doug Long will be here. He'll be filling the pulpit. Great friend to myself, he and his wife to Ginger and myself, their church with our church. I was talking with him this week. He said, you know, we've had three people come to faith in Christ after going through their discovering membership class where they realized they didn't know Christ. They wanted to be part of the church, but they had not yet been saved. He said, you know how good that is? That's why we pause. That's why we go through the process because it's most important, Jesus called them to himself, that we've been called. He always initiates the call according to his sovereign plan and in his sovereign grace. This is unmerited favor. It's a divine call. It's a divine summons in the first ch- chapter of Mark is the recorded call when Jesus goes and he finds the fisherman. Come follow me. And they leave everything and they begin to follow him. Romans chapter 8 and verse 30 says this And those whom he predestined he also called, and those whom he called he also justified and those whom he justified he also glorified what is this the unbreakable chain of redemption he called them galatians 1:15 but paul says when he who had set me apart before i was born and who called me by his grace that he came to know the resurrected christ and Paul the apostle was the late man he was the last man on board he was the one born he said out of out of time i was out of step i was against him this call is transforming it changes everything from the inside out for a true, a genuine disciple. We're called, Peter would say, from darkness into his marvelous light. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? Why would he do this? That you, it's a purpose clause that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Do you hear the humility of Peter in that verse? Nowhere does he say, I answered the call so well that day on the beach. Let me tell you, this step I had, I dropped those nets so well, I was just amazing. He's always fixated and focused on he called me i was in darkness religious but lost and he called me and if you're in christ he has called you and if you're not in christ his spirit is sending out the call come to him come to christ we're placed into a new family the family of god We're not physically born into this family like Israelites were. We're spiritually born into this. We must be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, the teacher of Israel, John 3, 3, this religious guy. Imagine how offensive this truth was when Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, speaking to Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus all of your education all of your knowledge all of your intellect all of your religious deeds that you have done for your whole life everybody in Israel can come to you and ask questions but you're missing the thing you must be born from above you must be born again so Peter would write 1 Peter 1 3 blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. Do you see the, the one who is the causer, the causation who starts this process? In scripture, it's always God, never man. Never man. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through, how does this all happen? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So he called them. And we see they came to him. This is a response of the genuine disciple. It's always prompt obedience from the heart. And from those who came to him, he pointed the 12. And the 12 would fulfill a unique and non-repeatable office as apostles. They would serve the Lord as sent ones. Now, if you are in Christ, you have been sent out by him, but not As an apostle who spoke on his behalf, a representative with authority. We come with the authority of the Word of God. We're holding the Word of God that came through apostolic authority. The Spirit moving men along by the Spirit of God gives to us the Word. So I know there are some who believe, you know, Apostle so and so is going to be speaking this week. Really? Is John alive from the dead? (laughs) Is Peter back? Maybe Paul, they put his head back on, he's gonna be speaking. In that sense with the capital, the apostle being one who is of the 12 sent by Christ, that is a one-time non-repeatable office. They did what the Lord had for them to do and they all died. But Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead and they performed the work by the power of the Holy Spirit that the church would be born and the spirit would come and this gospel would be propelled throughout the world. The word disciple, it means learner, pupil, follower, it's a student. The 12 were chosen for a specific mission. And I love, and I mention it from time to time, why would Jesus choose Judas? Like you see that you see that note in there in verse 19, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. And Calvin's explanation of why Jesus would fill that one spot with a Judas. He said, I believe that he chose Judas for us to always keep in mind how close anyone can be to Jesus and not truly belong to Jesus. So don't put your eyes on men. Fix your eyes on Jesus. All of these, the 12, are a blessing to us. We have benefited from their lives and ministry, but they are doing one thing, pointing to Jesus, the Son of God. So Jesus called them. This is the deliverance. Number two we see, development. Development. And here we see that he called them for a purpose that they might be with him. Greek word for with, meta. Isn't that interesting? How Facebook has changed its, you know, trying to change the name to meta. With. Where they can have people be with one another, but you're not really with one another. You can have a persona to how many ever people you're connected to, but whether that is the real deal or not, you're not really with those people, but there's an idea, there's a, there's a sense that all of these people are, are following and, and hitting like and saying different comments. And, but this word is with. This isn't with at a distance. This isn't you know, with through a simulcast. This is actually with him. You can feel his breath at times, smell his breath at times. You're with him as we're with one another. They were with him. They would worship, they would walk with Jesus, and they would work together. This is still needed in the church. Within the 12, Jesus focused on three, Peter, James, and John. On several occasions, Jesus left the rest, and he said, Peter, James, and John, I want you to come with me. The the raising of Jairus' daughter. He walked into the room. Everybody was mourning and crying. The hired mourners, the family, everybody there. And Jesus said, don't worry, she is just sleeping. And the Bible says they laughed him to scorn. They derided him. And he said, get everybody out of here. Peter, James, and John, you stay with me. And Jesus went in takes her by the hand, calls her by the name, and she rises, and Peter, James, and John are right there. They go up to the Mount of Transfiguration, and Peter, and James, and John, they're the only three there, and they fall asleep. And Peter wakes up, what's going on? Oh, let's build some tents and have a camp out here. And the father says, shh, stop talking. This is my beloved son, hear him. He doesn't need you to talk right now. That's a bad idea. Why is that a bad idea? Because he had to come back down that mountain and go to the cross and lay down his life for sinners. And that's the way that we could be. They saw his glory revealed. The the transfiguration, the unveiling of the glory of Christ. And Peter and James and John were there. They saw him in all of his glory. And they wanted to stay there. Do you blame him? In this development, the disciples would come and they would observe the master. They would watch and they would learn. They would pay close attention to Jesus, how he loved others, how he served, how he taught, how he preached, how he prayed, how he lived, how he died, how he rose again. That's what their discipleship in that three years, they were with him. They were with him in the morning, through the day, at night. They were with him, constantly with him to know him, to know what he loved, to know what he hated, to know what he talked about, to know what he appreciated. They got to know him. They were with him. They were with the word made flesh. That's what discipleship is, is to be with, to observe the master. They would listen to the master. What does he say? What does he emphasize? What does he bless? What does he condemn? What is important to Jesus Well, that became important to almost all of the disciples, but not Judas. No, Judas lost it. That night, when the alabaster box was broken and poured over Jesus' feet, that fragrance filled the room, and everyone in that room was in amazement at the sacrifice that woman had done forgiven by Jesus, love Jesus, and they're watching Jesus interact with this this woman and one person is missing it completely and it's Judas. He's over there with his calculator. That was a lot of money. That was a lot of money. We could have given that money to the poor. He lied. He wanted it for himself. She could have just given it to me. And I would have taken care of it. And Scripture doesn't lie about Judas' motives. He missed it completely. He missed Jesus. The woman understood who Jesus was, and Judas missed it, and he was with him, observed him, listened to him, was with him. Jesus says in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. They follow me. I don't know if you've seen the, the video. I don't know how long it's been out there. There's a jogger overseas. A lady is jogging. And someone is, they, got, they just have their phone and they're filming because behind her jogging is a whole flock of sheep. And for some reason, I don't know, I, I gotta figure out why they're following this lady and she's just out for a jog and they followed her the whole jog she runs off and they follow her all of them coming from everywhere following this jogger and she has no idea why but she's on a jog they follow it's just the illustration these these are sheep they're kind of they're dumb. They're used to their master's voice and something has happened and there they are and the bells are around their neck and she's jogging and this whole flock of sheep, coming out of the hills, following her. Jesus says, my sheep, they hear my voice. They follow me. I know them. Let her see, learn to love the master. That When they're with Jesus in this development, these three years, Most of them, almost all of them, learned to love Jesus. They loved him with all of their hearts, minds, and strength. All but John would eventually die a martyr's death, church history records. They all had their feet washed by the Son of David, the Son of God. And John records in John 13 and verse 1 of this love that changed them. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, and then John makes this note He loved them to the end. He loved them, that word is, to the fulfillment to the consummation, to the climax of the love. He loved them all the way to the point for which he came. He loved them. John knew that love. He was changed by that love. And letter D, they would learn to emulate the master. That when the helper, the spirit of God did come, and filled the disciples, they were empowered to live in obedience to the Lord Jesus, and they would then emulate their master. John 13 and verse 34, Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, and this is after he had washed the disciples' feet. Just as I have loved you. And it wasn't just that action. It was the whole of his life in ministry. And on that night of his betrayal, when he took up the servant's garment and he set his garment aside and he washed their feet, they knew this is love. It was uncomfortable. Peter, like a lot of men, hey, you know, this is getting too close here, too close for comfort. And Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you got nothing to do with me. All right, all right, I'll take the full shower. No, you... That's not what we're doing here, Peter. You're clean, but not all of you. Speaking of Judas. That you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to, here's a command, to love one another. Verse 35, by this, by what? This love, this love that learns to forgive one another, learns to get along with those that you disagree with, learns to go through life together, not just a couple years, but through life together. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. And in case you missed it, if you have love for one another, That's why we said last week in the sermon kindness, the kindness of God will open doors for us in sharing the gospel that simple intellectual head knowledge arguments will never open. Yes, you need to know what you believe. Yes, you need to grow up in the faith. Yes, you need to study your Bible and learn what does the Bible say so that you can give an answer. But answers And just information are not the way to the heart. Jesus is showing, it's the kindness. And that kindness will open doors and we then declare, we share, we speak the gospel and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do we show this love? Do we have this love for one another? Do we show this love for one another? Look again at our discipleship pathway. This is our purpose statement of the church. We exist to glorify God to reach people for Jesus Christ, to connect them with other believers, equip them to grow in their faith. And where does it end up? Where they serve the Lord Jesus Christ. They serve him. They serve one another. This is our pathway. What does this look like fleshed out? How do we see this in practice? Well, how do we reach people? We share the gospel. And when they come to faith in Christ, they're converted. They repent of their sin. They trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. And then they follow in baptism. This is what it is to reach people. How do we connect people? Then they take that next step into membership. And we plug them into a small group where they can get to know people. It's very different than just coming in the doors. Hi, great, fine. And sing and go out and then see you next week. It's getting connected with other believers, equipped. How do we do that? Through the Word, what we're doing right now. Through small groups, taking that Word and pressing it deeper into our hearts. Through youth ministry on Wednesday nights, I thank God for those you serve with our student ministry and our children's ministry. Same thing is going on, pressing the Word of God deeper into our hearts, equipping. And then where does it end? Serving. Serving. The members are engaged in serving. Where is my place where I serve? And there are so many opportunities. And there are so many people who serve in so many different ways. And there's always room for you. That the Spirit brings, the Lord is building his church, and he's placing in a unique group of people. And I don't want to move past this too quickly. Are you a member and are you serving? Are you engaged in serving the Lord Jesus Christ by serving his body? That's what we want to help each one do. Well, lastly, we come to deployment. To deployment. This is where Jesus says, you guys no, Peter, we're not going to just put up some tents and stay here on the mountain. That's not why I called you. That's not why you were with me you're going to be sent out. I'm going to send you. I'm going to launch you into the darkness with a message that he would send them out locally and globally. Jesus in Matthew 28, giving the Great Commission after the resurrection and before his ascension, he said this, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And right there, any sensible disciple would say, I can't do this. This is too much. This is too heavy. I can't do this. And behold, not done yet. Jesus says, I am with you how often? Always. Always. How long is always, Lord, to the end of the age? I will be with you. You will not do this alone. You can't do this alone. We must abide in him. And in Acts 1.8, Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses In Jerusalem, that's where they were locally, and in all Judea, spreading out, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Do you know that's still intact for us today? We start where we live in our house, in our neighborhood, where we work, and it extends to all peoples. What is this deployment? It's very simple. It's familiar to most of us. Jesus says, go. Go. Like, move out. Go to where they haven't yet heard this gospel. Go to where they don't know who Jesus is. Go to the one who, I think I know who Jesus is. Wasn't he a great prophet? A great teacher? No, you... You might know some about him, but you don't know what you need to know, that the gospel, God created us to know him and to enjoy him forever. But oh, our sins have separated us from him. He's holy and we have sinned. And S, sins cannot be repaid by doing good deeds. That's what many people think. There's only two systems of religion in the world, God initiated and man working. Man's accomplishment God's accomplishment, but sins cannot be removed by doing good deeds, period. So that leaves us all in trouble. P, paying the price for my sin. Jesus came, the son of God, born of a virgin, lived the life, the sinless life I could never live. He died the death that you and I deserve to die. He was buried in a borrowed tomb and he rose from dead, from death on that first resurrection morning, and he ascended to the Father and he is coming again, so that E, everyone, everyone who turns from their sin and trusts in Jesus alone will be given L, life that never ends. That is the gospel in one minute. It isn't anything you need to do and you've gotta go work and join and give and try. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps you can't. God has accomplished all that is necessary, but what does a sinner have to do? Surrender. Get honest with God. I cannot save myself. I'm in trouble. Have mercy on me. And that thief on the cross, he had time for that, and it was enough. And he trusted in the Lord Jesus. So we go. We go here, And we go local, locally, globally. And what's the next part of this? Baptize all who turn from their sins and trust in Christ alone for salvation. And this is known as just the believer's first step of obedience. This is why we do not baptize infants. From time to time, people ask, "Hey, I hear you're a pastor. Can you, you know, baptize my grandbaby? Can you? We've got a baby on the way. Can you baptize my baby?" The only person that we will baptize is the person who can say, I was a sinner and I believe the gospel. I was lost and Jesus is my only hope and he saved me. And now I wanna be baptized because he said, the one who died for me and rose again, be baptized. And I wanna let everybody know I belong to him. That's a testimony of conversion. That's why we take the time and we listen to testimonies so that every believer gives their first proclamation of the gospel. He saved me. Who's he? Jesus. Who's Jesus? And he's the Son of God. What does that mean? It sets you up to tell the gospel. Well, I'm no preacher. But if you've been saved by this God and you, like the Old Testament beggars, found bread, they went to the city and said, hey, there's bread out there. And the people ran out and ate. Instead of dying, they lived. That's what it is. It's one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That's what sharing the gospel is, loved ones. Peter said in Acts 2.38, after this amazing message that he gave that day, And they were cut to the heart, and Peter said to them after they asked, what are we going to do? What should we do? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent and be baptized. Now, some out of that, they say, so you have to be baptized in order to be forgiven, because there Peter said it. But if you just, and we won't take time today, go to chapter 3. Peter preaches, and he preaches repentance, and he doesn't mention baptism. Why? Because he no longer cares about being obedient to Jesus? No, because it's not essential for salvation. It is essential for obedience and testimony and witness in your walk. Well, go baptize and then teach. Obedience to all that Jesus has commanded his followers in his word to teach. Go, baptize, teach. You cannot we cannot take any one of those out and still be on mission. I just won't baptize people, but we'll go. Well, then we're inconsistent. We're not being faithful. Go baptize and teach. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, he says this, verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, or you could say missionaries, the shepherds and teachers, verse 12, why? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and a knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. This is growing up. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, so I'm done preaching and teaching when we are to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's a pretty good job, security. Or until he returns and he takes over. Verse 14, that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning or craftiness in deceitful schemes. Watch out, it's all over YouTube, right? Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in him grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, that's why I said, are you a member and are you serving? Are you functioning in the body? Because you matter, there's no just appendages hanging out like, oh, the Lord didn't have a plan for that person. Yeah, he did. Each part is working properly. There's health there. Makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It's every member serving, every member a minister. There's not two tiers. The professionals and everybody else. No. We're all sheep needing a shepherd. So our discipleship summary comes down to this. Go baptize, teach. This is what we're all on mission doing. I thought that's why we paid the pastor. That's what he does, you know. Good job. No, we're all in this together. This is our mission, proclaim the gospel, welcome new believers, and we worship and we walk and we work together. Now, I want to do this from an example from scripture. With that, just staying on the screen, how did this happen? Think about the apostle Peter. And in just a few moments, we're just going to go through Peter's life, okay? So he was called, he was a fisherman. Jesus said, follow me, Mark 1 17, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And he did. And then what we studied this morning, Mark 3, he was chosen to be an apostle by Jesus, and he served. So he was called, he was chosen, he was delivered. And then Peter was developed. And Peter, if you know anything about your Bible, he needed a lot of development, right? He's the the, the, the loud mouth, always talking, always has the ideas. But this guy in his development, he witnessed many miracles performed by Jesus. There were successes that Peter had and failures. Peter, he walked on water. All the other guys are in the boat. Jesus, if that's really you, let me walk to you. All right, come on, Peter. Oh, I'm walking on the, whoa, the waves. And he starts going, Lord, save me. Gotcha. And they're immediately at the boat. And easily we think, well, Peter, he was sinking in the water. Peter got out of the boat. Everybody else is still safe in the boat watching Peter. He confessed not long after that. You are the Christ about Jesus, Mark 8.30. And right after that, Mark 8.32, Jesus rebukes him because Peter rebuked Jesus for talking about suffering. Oh, Lord, come here. I'm Peter, and and you need to stop talking about this suffering. Where does that function in, you know, where does that fit in God's plan? You need to stop that, and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You're thinking like a man, You're not thinking God's thoughts. You're thinking your thoughts. Well, that was a a slam. That was a spike. Get behind me, Satan. He witnessed the transfigured glory of Jesus on the mountain in Mark 9. In Mark 14, he promised Jesus that everybody else will deny you, but not me, Lord. I'm willing to die for you. I'm all in, Jesus. Well, Jesus promised him You'll, you'll deny me three times. In the garden later that night, Mark 14, he fell asleep during the prayer meeting. He wakes up, tries to rescue Jesus with his sword. You know he wasn't aiming for that guy's ear. He was going for the full kill, and all he got was the ear. Like, there's our guy, Peter. And Jesus is just, Look, come here. And puts that servant's of the high priest's ear back on. Peter, put away your sword. This isn't how this is going to be won. That night, it moves on, and Peter's out there warming himself by the fire, and three times he's asked the question, aren't you one of his disciples? Remember him? Oh, not me, Lord. I'll die with you. I'm right there. I'm all in, Lord. No, no, I'm not one of his. No, I'm not one of his. And I'll make promises and swear and curse all, all all kinds of oaths. I am not one of his. Your accent sounds like you're one of his. And then the rooster crows. And Peter goes out and weeps bitterly. Jesus was right and I was wrong. And then Jesus is crucified. And there they are and they're waiting. What's going to happen? He goes back out and he says, you know what? This is going nowhere. I'm good at one thing for fishing. Come on, guys, let's go fishing. I'm with you. And they go back out on the boat and all night they're on the water. And what do they catch? Nothing. And then Jesus shows up on the shore. Children, have you caught anything? No. You know, you know when you're fishing, somebody's like, hey, you catching anything? You don't even have to ask the fisherman. If he's catching stuff, he's like just showing it off, putting it in the cooler or whatever. You walk by and they're not catching anything, they don't want to talk about that. No. Try the other side. Who's that land lover up there? I don't know, but he's got something on the fire. He's finding something somewhere. And the nets are filled and the boats begin to sink. And John puts it together. That's that's Jesus up there. And Peter's like, that's Jesus? And he puts his outer garment on. And the Bible says in Mark, he threw himself into the sea. What's his plan? He doesn't have one. Except I want to be with Jesus. Jesus. My last interaction with him was not good, but I want to be with him. And he comes to the shore, and Jesus, you got anything? Peter's like, oh, we got anything? Well, we got something. He goes out, grabs the nets, and brings them in himself. And then imagine that breakfast, the end of John's gospel, and they're sitting there. They're eating their fish. And you know Peter is thinking, what's Jesus going to say? What's Jesus going to say? That last time we were together, it didn't go good. The Bible says they caught eyes when he denied that third time that Jesus saw him and he saw Jesus. And there they are and breakfast finishes up and it's the after after breakfast conversation that starts to develop. And Jesus looks right at Peter. Peter, do you love me? And he uses the word agapao, that highest form of love. Do you love me? And, and Peter responds, uh, yes, Lord. And you know, I, phileo, I, I'm your friend. And Jesus says to him, feed my lambs. Whew, glad we're out of that. Simon, son of John, he's using his name, both those times I said, Peter, he said, Simon, because he goes back to, the, to the, his name before all of his calling and development. And before he deploys them, he's saying, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he uses that word again, agapao, do you love me? And Peter's getting frustrated. Yes, Lord, you know that I love phileo you. Tend, shepherd my sheep. Shepherd my sheep then, tend my sheep. Third time for the three times he denied Jesus. Simon, son of John, do you follow me? You really like me? Do you like me? And this grieved Peter, John 21 says. And he says this. Maybe you've prayed this. Lord, you know everything. And you know that I like you. Flow. you know that i do and jesus says feed my sheep and right after that jesus foretells of peter's coming crucifixion when you are old they'll carry you where you don't want to go and peter responds with hey there's john how's he gonna die he hasn't learned yet he's peter but then he was deployed by Jesus. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And they were in the upper room in that day, and we just read from Acts 2, Peter stands up after the earthquake and he preaches and 3,000 people come to faith in Christ. And this man has changed. Something's different about this man he heals a man in Acts chapter three at the gate of the temple, been born crippled. In Acts four, he preached and 4,000 came to faith in Christ. And listen to what it says in Acts 4, 13. when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And listen to this, and, and this is my question. Do, do you think that Jesus' plan worked? Because the enemies of Jesus and the apostles, they said this, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That's the point. These guys are like Jesus. These guys have been with Jesus. Does anybody say that about me? Does anybody say that about us? He was arrested and imprisoned in Acts 5. He raised Tabitha back to life in Acts 9. Many believed in the Lord. He was sent to the house, uh, out to the Gentiles, to the house of Cornelius in Acts 10. He was delivered from the hand of Herod the night before he was to be executed in Acts 12. He was sleeping, and the angel came in and woke him up. Put your clothes on. Let's go. He has all confidence in the Lord because Jesus said, When I'm old, I'm not old yet. He's sleeping. He encouraged the Jerusalem council to consider the work of God that was happening among the Gentiles in Acts chapter 15, that it's the gospel that saves, not keeping the works of the law. And then we get to Galatians 2. And Paul had to, was, he just came and confronted him to his face because here this guy is down the road and he's eating with Gentiles. The Jewish delegation uh, sent from James show up and he gets up and excuses himself from the table of the Gentiles and he confuses them and he hurts them, and he hurts the gospel witness. And Peter is confronted by F- Paul face to face. What you did was wrong, and you say, has this guy been changed? Well, 2 Peter 3.15, he says, our beloved brother Paul. The guy that said you're wrong in front of everybody, he said, I love that guy. That guy loves me. That guy loves Jesus. We're together. This is the kind of love that propagates the gospel. And Peter's like our beloved brother Paul. And church history records that, in fact, Peter was crucified, but in an endeavor to get him to deny Christ, that they took his wife and they put her to death in front of him before his eyes, saying, All you have to do is recant and we'll let your wife live. And church history records Peter saying, Remember, dear, our Lord. Remember, dear, our Lord. You want to get to a guy? Go after his family. So, you're locked up on what you believe? Well, how much do you believe when it involves your wife and her future and her life? Remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. This man was changed. And Jesus' pattern? That's our pattern, loved ones. That by the grace of God, we see people delivered. Have you been delivered? Have you come to the cross for cleansing? Have you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ? Or is it still a shared, I try, I do, I believe. Have you turned everything over to Jesus? Have you confessed him as Lord? Are you engaged in development? Are you helping someone else be developed in following Christ? Because we're all sent out to go into the world and preach the gospel. And it's our joy and it's our privilege. 60 years this church has been doing this. If the Lord should tarry and we have another 60 years, by the grace of God, may our children and grandchildren still be preaching this and still be on this pathway. May we hand it faithfully to them. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your so great of salvation. We thank you, Lord, for your plan, the plan of discipleship. I thank you for those who have invested into my life, who have brought me up in the faith. I thank you for those who have shared life with me and taught me. God, I pray that we would be faithful to do the same. I pray that if there is one here today and they have never trusted in Christ alone, that today would be their day of salvation. God, use us for your glory. Use us by the power of the Holy Spirit to see the lost come to know Christ and be found and adopted and redeemed. We love you because you loved us first. May we take this love and serve others with it until you return or until we die. For Jesus' sake, amen.
0: Thank you again for listening to Teaching from the Word at Grace Community Church. We are located in Richmond, Michigan. You can find us online at mygracechurch.com. Please subscribe and follow us at My Grace Church. It would be greatly appreciated if you would take a moment to rate, like, and share this message. We want you to always remember that you are loved.